Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Today, at this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Canada Goose second quarter 2021 earnings call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. Thank you. I will now like to turn the call over to Patrick Burke, Vice President, Investor Relations. You may begin your conference. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. With me are Danny Reese, President and CEO, and Jonathan Sinclair, EVP and CFO. After prepared remarks from Danny and Jonathan, we will take your questions. We ask that these are limited to one each to allow as many as possible to participate within the allotted time. This call, including the Q&A portion, includes forward-looking statements. Each forward-looking statement is subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in such statements. Certain material factors and assumptions were considered and applied in making these forward-looking statements. Additional information regarding these forward-looking statements, factors, and assumptions is available in our earnings release issued this morning, as well as in the risk factors section of our most recent annual report. These documents are also available on the investor relations section of our website. The forward-looking statement made on this call speak only as of today, and we undertake no obligation to update or revise any of these statements. Our commentary today will include certain non-IFRS financial measures, which are reconciled in the table at the end of our earnings press release issued this morning and available on our investor relations website. With that, I will turn the call over to Danny. Thank you, Patrick, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the call today. I'm really pleased to be here to to provide you with an update on our performance for the second quarter to reiterate our our strategic approach to navigating the COVID-19 environment and highlight trends that we see across our business going into our peak selling season this winter. Like everyone, we continue to navigate the ongoing complexities of today's world and witness how the pandemic is reshaping the global economic landscape. As I said before, I believe that adversity, when viewed as an opportunity, drives success. Building on that, I believe that the uncertainties that we have faced this year have sharpened our focus and made us even more disciplined and flexible. Our performance in this environment has reinforced my confidence in our business and our brand in this fiscal year and beyond. On our last earnings call, I spoke to you about our approach to navigating the global pandemic, namely, where we see opportunity, we've accelerated our strategic plans to capture it. This approach is working, and we're seeing acceleration across our business heading into our busiest season. And so here's an update on the progress that we have made on this front. First, our e-commerce business is accelerating. Second, our business in mainland China has grown by over 30% this quarter. And third, our continued operational discipline has has driven a return to profitability. I am proud of the way our team has executed, particularly in light of such uncertainty and in such a challenging global environment. 
We've demonstrated the flexibility to execute against the strategic priorities we saw for our business, and our deliberate and decisive action has driven strong results. Not only have we navigated the current environment, we have reaffirmed our confidence in our ability to manage through uncertainty and come out stronger. This is a competency we expect will continue to serve us well going forward. Regarding our global e-commerce business, we are pleased with the positive traction we've seen this quarter, which resulted in revenue growing more than 10%. Within that growth, we realized an increase in momentum in September. Moving past Q2, we have seen further acceleration and continued improvement across our business. Digital will obviously play an important role in the future of retail, and we will continue to invest in expanding both wholly owned international e-commerce and our omnichannel solutions. The strength of our e-commerce business will remain an important asset and business driver as digital adoption continues to grow among consumers globally. Next, on to our continued expansion in China, where we continue to successfully execute against our strategic growth plans for our business. I am very pleased to report that our business in mainland China has recovered to pre-COVID levels, with revenue growing this quarter by more than 30% compared to the same quarter last year. As we set out to do, we concentrated our new store expansion efforts for the year in this market, more than doubling our footprint so far. We've continued to make significant investments in this important luxury market to drive a long-term and sustainable business in the region for years to come. With this foundation in place, and against the backdrop of the continued acceleration of sales that we have seen beyond Q2, I'm very optimistic about the strategic approach that we have taken to market. Another highlight this past quarter was our profitability. While still delivering on our long-term growth strategy early in the pandemic, we took a rigorous approach to assessing our SG&A, which, as it relates to this quarter, resulted in a decline of 15%. As well, despite a lower revenue base due to disruptions, we have already returned to showing an operating profit, and our free operating cash flow was the same as it was this time last year. Our high-margin model combined with our savings initiatives are paying off. While we have taken a flexible approach to managing our expenses, where opportunity exists, we have approached incremental investment opportunities with decisiveness. In our current environment, we see opportunity in building our brand through strategic marketing to grow demand and to reach new audiences. In particular, we focus these investments on our digital businesses globally and mainland China bricks-and-mortar businesses. As I noted earlier, we see these businesses as key performance drivers going forward, and so we believe these moves to drive and capture demand where it exists will continue to be important. Now, I'd also like to touch on how we're thinking about consumer behavior as it relates, relates to trends we're seeing across markets heading into the winter season. We strongly believe these trends will build on foundational strengths, which we consider to be a tailwind tailwind as we head into goose season. First, this year, we've seen the word protection take on a new meaning in the world, and by extension, across our business. Today's consumers' needs are changing. Consumers are looking to spend more time outside, not just for normal day-to-day -day purposes, but also for necessity. For decades, we have helped to protect explorers, scientists, and everyday consumers from the, from the elements in some of the harshest environments in the world. We are known for protection. We are the reference parka. 
With consumers spending more time outdoors this winter, both recreationally and professionally, we believe that this will create an elevated demand for functional, authentic, and protective apparel. As a brand, we have never been more relevant and more universally needed. Beyond our core products, we've continued to explore new ways to protect people. In September, we launched our first line of face masks for consumers designed for comfort as well as protection. This product extension was a natural evolution of the foundation we built through our Canada Use Response Program, which created over 2 million units of personal protective equipment for frontline healthcare workers. Consumers' response to our masks has been remarkable. The collection is one of our most visited pages on our website with a strong sell-through globally. As a result, and thanks to our very flexible manufacturing capabilities, we are, we are actively producing more masks to meet the demand. Second, we continue to see strong demand across our new categories and products. In August, we introduced our first fleece collection across our DTC channels. Focused and purposeful, the collection is built on the foundations and experience that we gained through knitwear. The reaction from consumers was exceptional, with the collection nearing sellout in many regions. Again, our extension into a new product category has been validated. As we expand authentically into a variety of new offerings, our promise to consumers has, has always been that we will only make best-in-class products. Delivering on that promise has proven to be the foundation of our success. Product and category expansions have become a core competency for us at Canada Gears as we purposefully and methodically expand our consumer relevance as a lifestyle brand. And we believe that this core competency is a solid foundation for our business ahead of our footwear launch next fall. Third, doing good is good for business. Last month, we learned that the students of the New Jack School in Arctic Bay, Nunavut, needed, needed winter clothing. Inbound shipments to the village had been impacted by the pandemic. So, in partnership with Ryan Reynolds, we announced the donation of more than 300 Canada's parkas as well as bathroom boots to help keep the students warm this winter. At the same time, we also announced the expansion of our resource center program. Until now, we have donated over 1 million meters of fabric and other materials to communities in the north through our resource center program. Now the program will also see thousands of repurposed parkas donated to Inuit communities across the Arctic. These refurbished parkas will not only deliver warmth and protection to communities in the north, but they will also deliver against our commitment to operate more sustainably. We are building a more circular business model, reducing waste while strengthening our commitment to communities in the north. Finally, bricks and mortar remains an important connection to consumers long term. I've already spoken about our investments in mainland China and the growth we've realized through our expansions there. I'm also pleased to give an update about our Yorkdale store here in Toronto. During the last quarter, we completed an important expansion to Yorkdale, nearly doubling its footprint. Yorkdale has consistently proven itself to be one of our most productive locations since opening in 2016, and I look forward to its continued success, especially heading into our peak selling season. Moving beyond North America, our stores in Europe have been impacted by non-essential business closures. London and Milan both begin a four-week closure today and tomorrow, respectively, and Paris is closed for at least two more weeks. I'm proud of our retail teams and the strength and leadership that they continue to display as we navigate this current climate.
In closing, I believe our performance this quarter reflects our discipline, flexibility, and our strong financial position. We've shown that the strategic approach we've taken to navigating the current environment is driving results, and we have confidence in our accelerating trajectory. Now that we're heading into our most productive season in a fiscal year that began with so many unknowns, and is still not without uncertainty, I remain very optimistic about this year and beyond. I look forward to updating you on that in the months to come. With that, I will turn it over to Jonathan, who will go over our financial results with you in more detail. Thanks, Andy. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Reflecting on our progress in quarter two, there are three key themes that stand out. Our two strategic priorities, mainland China and e-commerce, are leading the way in our recovery. Our high margin business model and our implemented savings initiatives are driving profitability and cash flow. And we're entering the peak season in an agile position. We are unlocking cash through inventory already staged while retaining commercial flexibility. Turning to the historical results, total revenue decreased by 33.7% to $194.8 million. In normal times, this is our largest wholesale quarter. Following a near total shutoff in quarter one, we gradually and carefully resumed shipments in quarter two, with channel revenue decreasing by 45.7% to $118.5 million. In the DTC channel, revenue decreased by 37.7% to $46.2 million in a seasonally slow period. This was driven by lower contributions from stores in North America and Europe in the early stages of reopening. As expected, traffic was significantly lower due to the pandemic. We also contended with reduced operating hours and limited occupancy levels. Within DTC, e-commerce was a bright spot. We had double-digit revenue growth for the quarter, with a significant acceleration in trend in September. We are encouraged by this positive momentum moving towards peak online demand in Q3. From a geographic lens, mainland China was the first market to return to growth, with DTC revenue increasing by over 30%. From a near total shutdown only nine months ago, this is a powerful recovery. Foot traffic has normalized, the consumer is eager to spend, and brand momentum is strong. In terms of profitability, the adjusted EBIT margin was 8.1%, despite significant disruptions to the top line. Excluding not-for-profit PPE manufacturing, consolidated gross margin was 55.8%, 120 basis points higher than last year. We had pristine full-price economics across the business, with a DTC gross margin of 76.8% and a wholesale gross margin of 47.6%. Total SG&A decreased by 15.1%. This was supported by variable components in our cost base, including marketing and contingent rent, as well as our implemented savings initiatives. As it stands today, we expect SGNA to be in line with last year in the back half of the fiscal year. This step up is driven by strategic investments 
in brand building and demand building, focused on e-commerce and mainland China. We have flexibility in both directions to capitalize on further trends and further opportunities or to reduce spend as needed. Turning to cash flow, the resilience of our model is even sharper. In a quarter where total revenue decreased by a third, free operating cash flow was the same as it was a year ago. We moved quickly to resize and refocus our investment plans at the start of the pandemic, and it's paid off. On working capital specifically, we're past the peak, and we're in an agile position. As a manufacturer that stages inventory earlier, we expect the planned drawdown of our finished goods to generate significant cash in full winter. Our unique model, built around evergreen product and domestic in-house production, also gives us lots of commercial flexibility in season. Relative to more rigid offshore supply chains, we believe we can adjust the demand upside much faster if warranted. On the financing side, we upsized our loan to 300 million US and extended its maturity through 2027. This shifts a portion of our short-term borrowings to a more permanent capital base while maintaining low leverage and a co flexible covenant-like structure. Moving to operations, we are on track for peak season. In manufacturing, we've had a smooth and successful restart to downfill jacket production at all eight facilities across Canada. Doing this in the middle of a pandemic and alongside PPE manufacturing is no small task. It is truly a testament to the grit of our amazing team. We've also completed a third-party logistics transition during this time to enhance the scalability of our distribution and our e-commerce service levels across the globe. The first phase of our digital cross-border initiative is complete, with 18 new countries turned on during the second quarter. We're excited to continue expanding the global canvas of our in-house e-commerce business. In-store omni-shopping is also going live as we speak in US retail. We expect this to be a real needle mover for experience and for conversion. In terms of new stores, we continue to execute against the seven committed openings we discussed on our last call. This includes mainland China, where there are four stores, two high-conviction locations in Toronto and Ottawa, and Berlin. Performance to date in our new stores in China in particular has been very encouraging. Finishing with current trends, we are seeing further improvement across our business, particularly in the DTC channel. Retail in mainland China is now at pre-pandemic levels. Our performance during Golden Week was reassuringly strong, with a notable pickup in traffic driven by domestic tourism. Digital momentum is also encouraging online on Tmall, including a growing non-Parker penetration. Unfortunately, Hong Kong is a very challenged, albeit contained, situation. As you know, operations there were disrupted at this point last year, but we are still seeing significantly lower revenue. 
a near total shut off of inbound and outbound tourism continues due to quarantine requirements and local economic conditions are therefore challenged. In North America, all of our stores are currently in operation, while in Europe, all three stores are now closed again due to the mandatory directives. For those that are open, material pressures on traffic and capacity remain, but we're pleased to see local guests gravitating back. Irrespective of the pandemic, we remain confident in the strategic value and profitability of our highly selective network. Assuming no further closures, we expect to offset a greater proportion of these retail declines through e-commerce. Across key markets, our sites have continued to accelerate since September. At the time of year where it really matters for our performance, digital is moving in the right direction with higher growth rates on a bigger base. In wholesale, we expect to see a better rate of decline relative to Q2, driven by later shipment timing with more of an in-season fulfillment model. We're in good, a good and clean position due to the proactive measures we've taken throughout the pandemic. Operational and financial risks remain, including the recent closures in Europe. We will continue to, to take a brand-first approach while increasing our strategic emphasis on DTC. Lastly, I want to touch quickly on our not-for-profit PPE manufacturing activities. We're now nearing the end of, our com of completion of the current contractual obligations. As a result, we expect revenue in the other segment in Q3 to be down to just over one-third of the level we had in Q2. In summary, it's getting Canada goose cold at just the right time. Consumers want to be outside more than ever and they want best-in-class products to protect them. With the first half of the fiscal year behind us, top-line momentum is accelerating. Across our business, we're seeing improvement and we're reaping the benefits of our financial resilience. Critically, we're doing this while preserving the agility to react and to accelerate. While uncertainties remain and the situation is for sure fast evolving, we are encouraged by our progress and we're excited about what lies ahead. And with that, I'll pass it over to the operator to begin Q&A. At this time, if you have a question, please press star then the number one on your telephone. As a reminder, please limit to one question. Your first question comes from Oliver Chin with Cowan. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Uh, the, the DTC strength in China was, was really impressive. How would you contrast that against the, the overall Asia uh, performance, which was down around 16% and any details there? I would also love your views on as we model inventory in the next few quarters. How do you expect inventory versus sales to trend and the current uh, status on freshness? It sounds very good. Thank you. Right. So, so taking those in sequence, thanks, Oliver. Um, First of all, um, our Asian business, of course, is broader than just, great, uh, just mainland China. Our mainland China performance that I've already described on the call, I've also described the headwinds we're facing in Hong Kong 
And we, the other components of our um, Asian business are about wholesale, where we've already said that there's a, a difference in timing. So, so between the difference in timing and Hong Kong, they are headwinds um, compared to the tailwind we've got in mainland China. Now, turning to um, inventory, um, I think the, the key here is that although we, we don't provide um, guidance, or, um, and that includes inventory, it obviously depends on how uh, revenues evolve during the remainder of the year. But I, can, but I can say what I've said in the past, that we, expected it, we expect it to be down meaningfully by the end of fiscal 21. Yeah, I'll just open pay over, um, Danny, and uh, just on the inventory point, um, I echo everything Jonathan said, and just to point out that it is, is and has been, and we've reiterated our plans to, this is more doing exactly in line with our plans, and, uh, and our intention is that our inventory levels will be materially uh, lower than they are now and, and, and lower than they were last year relative to our sales. Um, and uh, we, we seem to be on track to do that. Our trajectory is very strong and, um, and it's looking, you know, looks, looks very positive. Your next question comes from Adrian Yee with Barclays. Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I guess my question is on the stores. Uh, so the, the seven stores that are earmarked for uh, this year, all of them, it looks like you have 26 listed on your website. So is there one more to be opened or are all of them actually opened at this point? Um, and then in terms of the inventory, just a little bit more color there. Uh, is the inventory in your channel partners also expected to be exceptionally clean? And what are you seeing from your order book from your channel partners in the during the season? Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for your question. Uh, with regards to the stores, um, we've opened uh, most of them. There's, a, there's I believe three more stores that we plan to open uh, in China this year. Um, but most of those, most of our stores have been open, and uh, uh, as pointed out, they've really driven. Um, uh, they've been very successful. Our, our business in China is doing really well and accelerating. And uh, you know, the three the three more that we're going to open is only going to add to that. Um, with regards to inventory, I'll, I'll defer to Jonathan to answer that question. Yeah, I mean, as, as, we, as we discussed um, in, in, in the prepared remarks, we've been very disciplined about um, uh, feeding the channel, uh, the wholesale channel this season, um, very careful in the way that it, it's being done, and therefore the inventory is very clean in channel, um, okay. and, we, and, we're be, and we're being very um, measured about that. Uh, to the extent that uh, we... We start to get um, wholesale reorders. That's fine. We'll consider those. But remember, we are prioritizing DTC, and we're not focused on chasing wholesale business this year. Okay, great. Thank you very much, and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Kate Fitzsimmons with RBC Capital Markets. Yes, hi. Good morning. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I guess just quickly on Hong Kong, um, can you speak to, you know, the duration of the drag um, associated with some of the store, uh, I guess the, the weaker traffic levels you are seeing? Um, how much longer do you expect Hong Kong um, will be a, a drag on the Asia business? And, and Danny, just higher levels on your view on the store base in that market and the brand positioning there. And then, you know, really quickly, Jonathan, on the, the channel gross margins, you know, very resilient this quarter. 
How should we think about some of the puts and takes on the channel gross margins as we look ahead, uh, just given the benefit of the government subsidies this quarter? Thank you. Hey, uh, thanks for questions, Danny. Uh, I, yeah, I think that um, I think um, with regards to um, Hong Kong was a question, and uh, um, you know we're um, we're cautious we're cautious about it. You know, we we don't no one really knows when um, Hong Kong is going to reopen um, and not have their 14-day quarantine. In our internal um, in our internal the way we look at it, we, we approach it very cautiously. I'll point out that, you know, for, for, although we have exposure there, we, you know, unlike most brands, we only have two stores in, in Hong Kong, and I think that's really important um, because, uh, you know, it, it, although it is affecting us and, and um, this, we, you know, those stores would typically be expected to do better, uh, to do, to do you know, a larger amount of business for all brands that have stores there, our exposure is limited, and, that, and that's important, and, and hopefully it reopens sooner than later. Um, but uh, it's impossible to predict exactly when that's going to be. So we've we've taken a conservative approach internally on that. And just just to round that point off um, before we talk about gross margin, and you know, with the number of stores that we've got in mainland China, um, and as we, as we um, approach the peak in, in that business, I, I think you'll find that's very much the dominant factor in the region's performance going forward. Now, when it comes to gross margin, um, and clearly we're very um, pleased with the gross margin performance in the quarter, but I come back to what I've always said, which is um, there is a natural um, place that the gross margin, we expect gross margin to be um, uh, in, in each of these channels. In, in, um, in DTC, we expect it to be um, in and around the mid-70s and in wholesale mid to high 40s. As far as I'm concerned, we're in that spot at the moment. That's the same spot we expect to see to, to stay in. Your next question comes from Ike Borcha with Wells Fargo. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, for Danny or Jonathan, just two quick ones. Just we talk a lot about um, brand heat when it when it comes to the Canada Goose brand. Maybe Danny, could you could you give us your thoughts on on where that brand heat is? Uh, in today's environment, specifically in, in, in North America, and then uh, maybe for Jonathan, just longer-term plans with, with the PPE uh, business. Just kind of curious uh, uh, how you're thinking about that, you know, into next year and beyond. Yeah, hey, Ike, thanks for your question. Um, we're feeling really, really good about our brand heat. You know, I think that we've never been more relevant today than than we've been than not. We've never been more relevant. You know, we are we are the reference parka. We are. Um, you know, people are looking to spend more time outside, and, and we are a brand that can can deliver on that. And so we feel really good um, that uh, you know, heading into our peak season, we expect to see the acceleration that we are seeing, uh, uh, typically, and, and happily enough, we're seeing it this year as well. Uh, you know, we know the consumers are looking to spend more time outside, not just for normal day-to-day -day purposes, but also out of necessity. And we believe that this will positively impact our business. And um, and so our, our relevance is really strong, and uh, you know we believe that um, uh, you know that that drives our brand heat, which is uh, which is um, which which remains very strong. When it comes to PPE, I think the important thing to hear to to think about is it's it's essentially event driven. So earlier this year there was a need, we stepped up, we pivoted in in about two or three weeks and, and produced what we've been producing for the last few months. Uh, I think. 
to the extent that um, there's further requirements from, from the country to, to help support the front lines, we'll be there. But uh, at this stage, it would be wrong to comment further. Yeah, fair enough. I think I, if I can add one thing just about back to the brand heat thing um, to, add some, to add some more color to it. Uh, just to point out, you know, we're obviously, as always, full price brand, uh, and um, we're seeing lions outside of many of our stores as we're used to seeing. Um, this is an anecdote to uh, to to talk a little bit about the the relevance and the heat of our of our brand and the demand for the products that we have um, around the world. Your next question comes from Erin Rumberg with HSBC. Yeah, hi, good morning, gentlemen. I hope you can uh, you can hear me. I just uh, had a follow-up on prepared comments from uh, Jonathan. Um, so on wholesale, I think you made it clear that inventories were really clean. Um, I'm just wondering if you could talk about the, the mindset of your partners. And, and I think in the prepared remarks, you talked about a better rate of decline. And I'm just wondering if that's uh, looking at Q3 or looking at H2. Um, and then secondly, uh, on e-commerce, can you, can you talk to any new markets or any new partners um, that could um, impact positively H2 sales uh, for that channel? Thank you. So, yeah, I'll, um, I'll address the wholesale question. Uh, our, um, our wholesale partners are very important to us, and we have some of the best wholesale partners in the world. Uh, and. Um, you know, our, our relationships are strong, and uh, you know a lot of our wholesale partners are counting on, on Canada Goose to drive uh, their recovery, and uh, we're seeing that happen. We're seeing that while well, we did see some orders shift to the right because of uh, the earlier store closures earlier in the year, uh, now we're finding that um, wholesale partners are wanting us to deliver goods more more of their orders sooner, and so. Um, you know we see, we were, we're very encouraged by that, and. Uh, and you know we continue to work very closely with them, and, uh, and they're a really, really important part of our business. And uh, and um, you know there's just certainly um, you know I'm really just certainly upside there. Uh, to um, the second part of the question was on e-commerce, and and I think the, the important point here is a couple of points. Um, first of all, this is a, a e-commerce as we describe it here is is what we do. Um, and on the websites that we manage and where we ship directly, um, either by uh, our team are in, in mainland China or ourselves in the rest of the world. And uh, this quarter we saw growth, and that was driven by progress in our major existing markets across North America, Western Europe, and mainland China. Um, Cross-border um, e-com is exciting. It's a longer-term initiative, and that expands our, our, our canvas globally. Um, but they're smaller individual markets, but nevertheless we'll have them with us for the uh, we'll have them with us for the, the remainder of the year. Overall, um, we're in the mid thirties in terms of the total number of markets we're shipping to now. Your next question comes from Omar Saad with Evercore ISI. Good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I wanted to ask a follow-up to the China uh, numbers you guys were talking about, which are great. But we know the Chinese, you know, you're, you're probably losing some Chinese business to Chinese consumers with the lack of tourism and travel. Do you have a sense for how that kind of Chinese cohort is performing with you guys 
on a more global basis, you know, understanding that you're still, your footprint in mainland China itself is still really low. And then, you know, I actually wanted to ask a, a, a technical follow-up on the inventory. Um, you know, I, 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 I want to understand, I guess, why the inventory is still growing, given the fact that your production has been at limited levels. Does that have to do with the transition from outsource to in-source? Just kind of want to understand the dynamic there. Thanks. Uh, thanks for your question, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll address the um, the uh, Chinese tourist business, and certainly there's been a reduction in tourism around the world. Uh, a lot of those tourists come from uh, come from uh, mainland China, and um, you know though we've seen that impact our stores uh, around the world, as have all brands. We uh, we you know I think uh, our strategic approach that we took in China by uh, adding physical retail. Uh, in China has helped capture local uh, Chinese tourist demand within China, and I think that that's working really well as evidenced by our growth and continued acceleration, uh, even um, even through October in China. And um, uh, and so yeah, I think that's working, and I think that um, you know I think that in in in, in uh, collaboration with our uh, e-commerce growth and acceleration globally is um, is, is, is an offset to reduce tourist levels this year. Um, and when it comes to inventory, I think what, what's important to remember is that um, you know, Q2 is not a big quarter when it comes to revenues for this business. So um, much more than Q3. Um, and so as we you know, remember that we restarted production at the beginning of Q2, um, and that was specifically to add newness and depth for full winter, in other words, for the, for the forthcoming season. So we're now at the point where sales really pick up, and that will naturally drive down inventory levels through the remainder of the year. And as you correctly point out, there's also a transition going on um, with um, some of our uh, third-party CMTs at the same time. Your next question comes from Camillo Lyon with BTIG. Hi, thanks. Good morning. Um, I wanted to uh, uh, learn more a little bit about the progression of your store productivity levels. Um, you went from like a near shutdown of, of mainly all your stores. Uh, it sound, it looks like there's a, been a pickup in, in store level productivity. Certainly talked about that in China. Um, so I guess the question is how, how are you seeing that progress in other regions um, where there's still seemingly a, um, a pressure on traffic? Are you driving uh, appointment-only uh, business? Is there um, a better sort of conversion rate that, we're, that you guys are experiencing? Any color on the store productivity levels relative to last year would be incredibly helpful. Yeah, it's a it's a good question, Camilla. I, I, I'm clearly in China. We we saw we saw the pattern established when they started to reopen nine months back, um, and and sort of that's gradually built up, and that's helped us manage our expectations in terms of what we might expect to see elsewhere in the world. Now, obviously, that gets interrupted where you get local lockdowns, um, as we're experiencing right now in Europe, um, but. It, there is a pattern of gradual improvement as people get used to um, shopping in the new way and, and visiting stores in the new way. There's no doubt that traffic is challenged. But on the other hand, what I would say is that people who are out to shop mean to shop, and therefore we do see better conversion. Your next question comes from Sam Pazer with Sisiguana. 
Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking thank you for taking my questions. Um, I just one question. If there's a bump in, you mentioned that you would defer to you were focusing more on DTC, but to what degree will you respond if there is demand from your wholesale partners to uh, you know if, if their demand goes up going in? How, to what degree will you respond in the back half of the year? You know, we, we're very flexible. Uh, we have a lot of levers at our disposal, and um, we're able to uh, shift as, as we choose to do so. So we're, we're able to service both our wholesale channels uh, and our DTC channels. Uh, you know, I think it's important that, you know, from a, our, our direct relationship with our consumers and our DTC channel is very important to us. So we're, you know, we're going to make sure that it has all the inventory it needs, but we, we, we were deliberate in making sure we were in a strong inventory position, uh, as we always do, and this year is no different, so that we can service wholesale as well as DTC. Yeah, I think the, the key here is that we're responding rather than chasing. Your next question comes from Jay Sol with UBS. Hi, good morning. Uh, this is Mauricio Sarna uh, on behalf of JSOL. I uh, just wanted to ask if you could uh, provide us a little bit more color on what you were saying about the brand heat in China. Uh, if you could also talk a, a little bit more how, how the sales uh, progression went throughout the quarter, the acceleration in DTC, and how does that trend, ha how does that uh, uh, has carried on in, into October so far. And also wanted to ask, on, on the other hand, on, on the cost side, if you see any headwinds into this season, uh, particularly for e-commerce, you know, with all, uh, all related to freight costs and distribution and shipping, and also, if, uh, uh, and also on the government subsidies, I mean, how, how, how long should that, should that be a benefit to, to the gross margin? Thank you. Thank you for your question. Um, just to uh, you know, readdress the brand heat question. Um, you know, I, I don't believe we've ever been more relevant, uh, given uh, the uh, the the product is um, is a is a is a best in class needed product at this point in time um, for people around the world uh, who want social distance outside. And uh, you know, our our acceleration that we've seen in October has been um, has been uh, has been uh, really uh, encouraging, um, and. Uh, Continue to point to the lineups around at our stores, um, you know, in Toronto and Yorkdale and, and, and around the world. We uh, the, the demand, um, the visible demand, anecdotally is extremely strong. And, uh, I'll hand over to Jonathan for chat. Take some of the technical questions. Yeah, I, I, from from a cost point of view, we don't see particular headwinds. I think the point that I was making in my prepared remarks is we're very keen to invest where it makes sense. Um, and where we see the opportunity and the likelihood of payback, we'll get behind it. Um, but we, we're not looking at, at particular headwinds. Um, I think when it comes to um, subsidies, um, in, immediate, in the immediate term, we don't envision any real changes. Um, and when, when, when they do end, I think we'll find ourselves in a rather more robust excuse me, environment where our business is not coming out of a shutdown. Understood. Thank you. You're welcome. Your final question comes from Alexander Walvis with Goldman Sachs. Good morning. Thanks so much for taking the question here. Um, I had a question on your comment that you had some in-store omnichannel initiatives going live in North America. 
I wonder if you could elaborate on what features are being rolled out, the pace of the rollout, um, and then you'll, how you're thinking about you know, future plans to extend that into uh, the international system. Yes, I mean, it's something that we, we learned from last year. We, we already uh, piloted it last uh, full winter in, in uh, Canada, and we saw it was a real needle mover in performance because obviously you're opening up the, um, all of the inventory and all of the sizes and all of the colors to the consumer at the same time. Um, and therefore, it gives you far more selling power and, and far greater conversion power as, as a brand ambassador. And that's something that uh, we, we expect to um, see enacted now in the USA. And in due course, we will take the, that initiative around the world. But that's something that, we're, that is going live as we speak in the US. And we see that as a really important driver of business. I will now hand the call back to management for closing remarks. Uh, thank you. I'd like to thank everybody uh, for joining us here today on our call. And I look forward to speaking to you again uh, at the end of next quarter. Stay safe. That concludes today's conference. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.